Hey, yo, welcome yo, back yo, yo, yo. to the podcast, Conversations with Humans. Just had a dope conversation with a dope human named Truman. I did too. <laughs> named Truman. <laughs> We're both named Truman. Yo, I uh, I met another dude named Truman at Target the other day. Did I tell you about Chilling. that? Did I tell you? <laughs> no, uh-uh. I was like, there can only be one. <laughs> That's crazy. How but, uh, did you find out his name was Truman? He had a name tag on. Oh, that's a great way to figure and it out. And I was just like, like I saw it and I like panicked for a second. I was like, this can't be happening. Like, yeah. This this is happening? And I was like, yo, I have the same name. <laughs> that's all I said. For me, there's mics all over the place. Yeah. It's like, what up, Mike? <laughs> but then he uh, like, he reached out to shake my hand. And I was like, it was like in slow motion. Yeah, I was like... I have COVID-19. <laughs> infect him. Yeah, I was like, meet the first Truman and infect him with a pandemic disease. Oh. Well, this episode, Illness. we talked about stoicism. Mm-hmm. And um, how suffering can be beneficial. Benefit from suffering. And, I don't know, some other stuff. So, it's a lit episode. <laughs> so, uh, dive in. And also... If you if you found this valuable, go give us a review. We really appreciate it. Honestly, reading the reviews is the best part. Yeah. We yeah. read every single one of them. All five of All them. All five of them. <laughs> we, we read them every night before bed. Yep. So, listen along and peace. Enjoy the episode. And then I said to the guy, don't ever touch my dog's butt again. Just kidding. What's up? <laughs> I wanted to try and like start it with, but then I decided to do that. Attention as I was speaking. Like, you know, that thing that you do, like when you're like literally coming up with the idea at the same time as this leaf in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing today? It's a little bit chilly in here. Yeah, it is. How, what temperature do you think it is in here? Um, I, I would realistically guess it's like. 35 degrees yeah maybe 30 I, I don't know 30 or 35 yeah so it's it's pretty cold but i'm doing good hey you got your temple mill hoodie on yep i saw do you see that adam put on his story no him wearing his no and so it seems like a couple people got their hoodie yeah. it's not too late if you want one yep unless you're listening there's a few late. left if you want a cop <laughs> something i was thinking about for the conversation or yeah for the conversations with humans merch mm-hmm we could just have it live on the Temple Mill site. Yeah. At least for now. Like, yeah, templemill.co yeah. backslash conversations with humans for that specific line of merch that we do for just, like, the pod listeners. Yeah. Instead of trying to, like, build up a whole new site and get its own, we just I do mean, it through Temple Mill, and then we can literally have it up and ready, like, way faster. Yeah. I technically can't... Hold up. I'm going to turn this down. I'm pretty sure I can't, like, put it on... Uh, like it's a different shop page like with uh like backslash shop is our shop you Mm -hmm. know and it's like uh like i can't really change it but i can add different collections okay because like right now it's really basic where you just go in the shop and it's just one thing yeah one item but i can make it so that there's like you know it was like t-shirts uh hoodies accessories you know how like e-commerce sites have like uh, like a sub menu yeah and different collections and everything like yeah, yeah. right now it's just super basic so there can be like uh conversations with humans collection yeah or like the temple mill one or whatever or like the it can be broken down into like the 
just be you collection yeah. or whatever and there can be like different um thumbnails on each one you mm. know so there's a lot that we can do that i haven't tapped into yeah but yeah i was thinking about that i also feel like the potential sponsors in the future we got to try and get brands that we already like i feel like i want to try and like manifest this shit <laughs> mm-hmm. what brands we work with because like almost like right now i can spit off a couple different specific brands and like they would make a good sponsor for our audience because we are already like i feel like the best endorsements come from people that already use and like enjoy your product mm-hmm. versus like some random influencer who's just trying to get a check versus someone who's like yo i've been you know drinking Lacroix for the last year yeah. Help me get off soda. Mm-hmm. And since we love LaCroix, let's get LaCroix as like a sponsorship. Or like just water. Yeah. It's another like lit one. Um, Hydro Flask or Helen of Troy or like maybe one of those bigger companies. Yeah. yeah. This one company called uh, the VL something. It They own North Face, Vans, uh, Timberland, a couple other brands. They just bought Supreme Ooh. for like. How much? Honestly, it seemed a little bit low in my head, but I don't know if that's just because I'm like building up Supreme. Yeah. But it was like $2 billion. I'd say that's about right. You think so? Yeah. But um, I was just like thinking of like what kind of, even like Notion. Yeah. You know, like they're a genuinely dope software that mm-hmm. we use. Yeah. And so getting them to like partner up with them on something, I feel like would be the move. Or like NordVPN. Yeah. We you we've been using or not Nord. We yeah Nord. Yeah Nord. We've been using NordVPN, mm-hmm. and VPNs are sponsoring influencers. So, but I feel like getting those types of people to sponsor our pod. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can look back on this episode in like a hundred episodes. Yeah. And be like, hey, we got it. We yeah. got one of those dogs. Uh-huh. And I. Honestly, it's like genuine support too. Uh-huh. I I feel like there's a lot of like uh, like. Things that we learned in uh, New York, like running around with Gerard, that's mm-hmm. gonna play in our favor, like making a pitch deck. Yeah. No one sure. knows what that is. Like the average person doesn't know what a pitch deck uh, is. But we but, have like, a bit of experience in that. Yeah, and so like doing that type of stuff for like specific things to get sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. Today I was just like in in Notion and kind of like typing out like a bit of like a strategy. So you can see that yeah, next time I you got pop a in. Notification. Oh, you did. That's. I mean, Notion is like a one, but yeah. And I was just kind of trying to like scope out like what some of the things we want to do and mm-hmm. like how we want to do it because I just feel like the more like that we laser in on what we're doing, the easier we'll be able to execute on it. Like be able to like hit that target if we know what we're aiming at, mm-hmm. and down to just like knowing like topics within our world doesn't have to be like one to three topics like that list may be bigger bigger but just knowing certain topics that define this podcast yeah yeah yeah. because it's more about how can we make it more obvious like the people that want to listen to us are out there but it's about finding them and letting them know that we're for them Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where like leaning into a niche helps you because it helps you get more specific with individuals because yeah, I feel like that's something I've been thinking about too. Is like the people are out there, but it's like how can we let them know that we're out here? Mm-hmm. Think of that way. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. But yeah, today I was thinking about um, just like philosophy as a subject, and I was like, 
I wanted to like pick your brain, yeah. like ask you a couple questions yeah, yeah, yeah. because you're always dropping like one. You've got this whole bookshelf of books that like are all from you and from like literally. You probably you probably read all these books since before I even met you. <laughs> Most <laughs> you know? of them, yeah. Like by the time that we met, you already have been really well educated on like all these different like people. Mm-hmm. Whereas my path has been a little bit shorter. Like I've taken a philosoph- philosophy and ethics class at UVU, but only one semester, mm-hmm. and I never really got to dive into like stoicism. Yeah. Until like reading Ryan Holiday's stuff, mm-hmm. and he kind of like pushed me in the direction yeah. through because he's like very digestible mm-hmm. his books. That's what I love about him. Mm-hmm. But um, honestly, prior to like, I was doing a little bit of reading like today, just so that I don't come into this like a total dingus. <laughs> but I want to try and ask you questions yeah. from like a pretty blank perspective. Yeah. To, like very broad for mm-hmm. like the people out there that don't know much about stoicism. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is like the difference between stoicism and philosophy For as like a well, first question? Stoicism is a philosophy. So it's kind of like the whole rectangles and squares thing. Okay. So, but the better way to talk about stoicism is to compare it to its kind of counterpart or it's like opposite, okay. which is uh epicureanism, which is um like it's another philosophy and it's another like school of thought around the the like Greek era. Also, that sentence like school of thought that you just said is also one that I've just been, like, thinking about. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine, like, a modern school of thought. Like, schooling around your thoughts, thinking, your, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was just thinking about that. There's a YouTube cool. channel called The School of Life. I don't know if you've ever... Um, do they do kind of, like, those, like, drawing ones? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I've seen a couple yeah, of Yeah, they're, like, educational ones. Yeah, yeah. So... Which, by the way, I was thinking, too, once we're filming this podcast, doing episodes mm. with the whiteboard. Yeah. Because it helps, like, visually, I like to see, like, a timeline. That's kind of, like, been one of, like, the things that always has confused me about philosophy as a whole. Like, Western and Eastern and time eras between, like, you know, the Greeks and the Romans and whatever. But being able to, like, see that is kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. back to your time. Um, so... I'm, I must admit that I'm kind of a little bit unsure of which, if it's Greek or Roman. So I'm just going to use a Greek slash Roman for Stoicism. I think that... I'm pretty they, sure it's Roman. Okay, yeah. So it's like a Roman philosophy. And uh, yeah, that makes sense. Because Greek is like Plato, Aristotle, yeah, Socrates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Roman. then Roman was like Marcus Aurelius, yeah. Seneca. And that makes sense because uh, the Spartans were Roman, right? Mm. And so, uh, they're, they had a Stoic uh, philosophy, which th- to understand who the Spartans were makes you kind of get a better idea of what Stoicism, Stoicism is about. Mm. But to loop back around to the Epicureanism, to Stoicism, uh, Epicureanism is more kind of like in modern sense. It's kind of like the YOLO lifestyle okay. of like... Uh, What's the point? Okay, yeah. I mean, that's what I am, like, gravitated towards in general are these, like, big questions. Yeah, yeah. Like, very, like, broad, like... Yeah. And, I mean, I guess it can be a little bit... Uh, So there's another, like, school of thought. I don't know where this one came from, but Jordan Peterson talks about it a lot. It's, it's nihilism, 
where it's the nihilistic view of something is more so like, what's the point of this? What's the point in trying? You know, uh-huh. I'm just going to hear, I'm just going to get drunk and do this for the yeah. rest of my life or whatever. Like, I'm just going to go, which you, like, the reason why he talks about it a lot is because it's kind of like coming back around into our culture. Mm. Like, you can see that mentality. You can even kind of see it with like van life, in my opinion. Like, that, that whole notion of like, I'm just going to unplug from everything. Yeah. You know, like, I'm just going to like, dip from life and just like go live on a beach it just seems kind of uh kind of has that undertone of nihilistic view of like what's the point of getting a job what's what's it's not even about a job it's like what's the point of contributing to society in any Mm. sense but what would you say is the contrasting idea to nihilism um because that's also something that's been a little bit confusing about is, like, there's a lot of contrasting ideas. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily about, like, on a one specific right way, but more so, like, ways of understanding different ways of thinking. Yeah. Different perspectives. I don't know what it would be called. It's probably an actual word for it, but I would just say, like, being optimistic about the future and being, mm-hmm. like, kind of having, like, faith in a sense of just, like faith in humanity. Yeah. Like, and being willing to contribute, you know, like understanding that your actions as an individual are, uh, affecting people Mm -hmm. and like uh, taking that and choosing to do better, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But so back to like stoicism, Epicureanism, like they were kind of like the Epicure. Epicureanistic people were more of the eat, drink, and be merry type. Like, mm. I heard that phrase where yeah, it's just yeah. like, let's eat good foods, let's be overstimulated by all this stuff. And again, you. It's like YOLO, kind of. Yeah. We drink and marry for tomorrow we die. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. And so they, like, you, and you also see that today too with just like the overstimulation of the modern society that we live in of just like, like you go to Taco Bell and it's like you're they there's like scientists that like their whole job is to make that burrito taste the best it possibly can. Like they're hitting uh unless you're Betos and you suck. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like uh there's this other book called uh Food Inc. that that I read. Okay, I've heard of it, but I haven't. And it's it. it's talking about the whole like food, fast food industry and mm-hmm. how like their number one job isn't to make like healthy food; it's to get you addicted to the food. And so they, again, this isn't some kind of conspiracy. This is like real. There's yeah. real people out there that their job is to manufacture. Uh, there's a, something called mouthfeel. That's like an industry mm. term. It's how does. Uh, how does something feel when it like how does the burrito feel like that that is like the difference between like when it enters your mouth how does it feel like the the beans mixed with the cheese the flour tortilla there's the experience. like yeah there's like a there's like a science to it and yeah. they're trying to and this ties in a lot of like dopamine stuff like uh-huh. They can test, like, whether this, like, burrito A versus burrito B is going to, like, hit more dopamine levels and get you more addicted to it. And I definitely think about, I mean, yeah, like, 
there's a super negative side to that. Mm-hmm. But as entrepreneurs, there's probably a lot of low hanging lessons to learn just off of observing fast food companies. Yeah. The colors they use. Like even as we've been developing different projects projects, like looking at like Sonic's app. Mm-hmm. has been like yeah. one of the specific inspirations that I've used because they're, they're dumping so much money into research and, and that thought of like getting you addicted. I was actually like uh, thinking about talking to my mom today, not like getting addicted, but the power of a repeat customer mm-hmm. and retargeting mm-hmm. because, and that was kind of, I feel like I started to learn just through like uh, the drop shipping world, I guess. But um Rather than trying to get a first impression a million times, retargeting people who have already engaged, you're going to more likely get a conversion than just off of a first impression from a million people. Mm -hmm. And so um, using that like to build an email list, and that's why email lists and text lists and whatever can be so powerful because they're not just randos. They're people that already support you. Mm-hmm. And so you're just kind of like letting them know like, hey, here's a discount code mm-hmm. for uh, something because mm-hmm. you've been with us for this long. Or yeah. Kind of whatever. yeah. But yeah. it's interesting how fast food uses addiction like to get you to be that repeat customer. Right. And like how like everything about it is about those dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. Like when you drive by a McDonald's, it's like uh, $1 for a fry. Yeah. Or whatever. They got it on your app. Giving uh-huh. you deals. Every day I could get a large fry for $1. Mm-hmm. They would love that, wouldn't they? Uh, if you want to listen to a really good Joe Rogan, go dive into this guy named Gad Saad. Is that a newer one? It's He did a fairly recent one with uh, Joe, like, the past month. Yeah. But, it, like... He's been he has older ones. Yeah, there. it's been going back years. But he is a evolutionary psychologist that mm. uh, that is a uh, expert in marketing, like how evolutionary okay. psychology mixes with modern marketing. Mm. Like, why does red and yellow of McDonald's get you to want to go there? You yeah. know, like, and all those things. Mm-hmm. Or, like, another example is, like, on the sign, next time you see a McDonald's, you'll see it says, like, over 9 billion served or something. It's, like, that is a uh, social bias that it's – you see that other people have went there, and so you feel like, oh, wait, I should go there, you know? like And also these same little, like, psychological tricks on – websites yeah it's all the same thing it's like craziness like the little things that just like pull you through this funnel yeah to eventually click buy yeah but yeah. it's whatever it takes to get you to click that one button and they're using all these like timers that saying sales yeah. only lasting this much longer or scarcity bias scarcity bias all these things <laughs> yeah so uh looping back around that's yeah. like uh epicureanistic Everything we talked about is kind of like uh, that, you know. I mean, in the sense, not the marketing and stuff, but mm-hmm. in the sense of like uh, fast food, you know, soda, all these things that are just like they're pleasurable in the moment, but on the long term don't really add anything to your life. Yeah. And I feel like stoicism is kind of the opposite, where it's things in the moment are not pleasurable, mm-hmm. but in the long run, they are the things that build you and so like that's a cool way of looking at it 
Yeah. And, like, so, like, Stoic philosophers, they, I mean, going back to, like, philosophy as a whole, like, the Greek philosophers, they mm-hmm. were more interested in, like, the big ideas of, like, what is life about? Who is God? Is there a God? What is justice? What is morality? All these things. Yeah. Big questions, and they would just sit around, uh, like, a, like a, some kind of grounds you know, a courtyard and discuss these things. And, but the stoic philosophers were more so like, what's the point of uh, doing that? Like, what's that going to do to my daily life? You know, like this life that I'm in right now, how is that going to be better by debating justice or morality Mm. or whatever? Yeah. And so they took a more practical uh, route to philosophy and st- so that's what stoic philosophy is is kind of like philosophy to make your life better in the moment like not just in the moment but like your entire life you know yeah what tools how can do you i learn? achieve the good life yeah exactly exactly and they believe that one of like the fundamental things that they believed is like that in order to have the good life you needed to suffer Mm, that and, we all live in a world of suffering. Yeah. And I, I guess, like, to kind of put my words in their mouth, I guess, it, like, my interpretation is kind of like uh, Stoke philosophers understand that all life is suffering and Epicureanistic people kind of know it but don't uh, – like accept embrace it. it. Yeah. And accept it. But Stoic uh will like some of the things that they would do is like they saw everything as a challenge or like they saw every obstacle mm. as a way to improve themselves. Sick. And like that's something that I really uh resonate with. Um just cause like I don't know if it's like relating back to like the Amish culture, mm. but it's just like they really embrace like like they don't complain i guess that's a better way to say it is like an amish person can go out like working at five and then come back at seven and they're just like well that's life you know like Mm -hmm. that's that's how it is you know and they're not uh complaining and they're not trying to get out of it or make excuses or whatever it because they understand that like this has a purpose and like this is making me better mm-hmm. and like there's even stories of like stoic philosophers that would uh i'm just going to refer to them as, as the stoics from now on because that's another way that you can uh, say it okay but um like it's like kind of like rumors that the stoics would like uh do like ice plunges and things like that mm. back in the day. And they would also like, this was obviously frowned upon, but they would like whip uh, each other oh. <laughs> just because it's Test like their pain tolerance. Yeah. It was just like, they believe that through pain, whether physical or mental, you are building up calluses, like physical and mental. That would make and you stronger. That make you stronger. And which this is all, to help them deal with life. You know, they kind of have the belief that if they can get, like, allow this pain to make them stronger, they can more adequately deal with life when it comes at them, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas an Epicureanistic person is just uh, chilling. Uh, YOLOing it yeah, up. Yeah, YOLOing it up. And then 
that doesn't mean that they just get away from the catastrophes that come from life, Mm -hmm. you know? And so so the Stoics view is that you're more prepared if you're hardened, you know, like Mm. if you're soft, you know, life's going to still hit you, but it's going to hit you harder. And it's like, I gotcha. And it's like, like those, like life struggles come and it's not just like, uh, it's not just like math where it's like, here's like a struggle from life and it's like 10 pain points or something. And it hits everyone the same. Like it may hit that stoic, like something like a divorce will hit a stoic person. And they're just kind of like, like they're not emotionless. Like they still feel everything, but they'll be kind of like, okay, like, so be it, you know? Yeah. Like I accept it. Like this happened. You know, now what? Yeah. And so like quick to let go, do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of just like it's like accepting the present moment. Yeah. Letting go from from not the perspective of like uh I was I just feel like in general, you know, like if you're able to just like, you know, get divorced but like, nah, whatever. I feel like that is through a mastery of being able to just like let go of like certain feelings yeah, or like it's, memories or past i would say letting go but not in the sense of carelessness but more so in the sense of acceptance Uh uh-huh and uh yeah because like a divorce could hit that epicureanistic person as like you know 50 pain points whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. but it could hit that stoic with five you know even though it's like the same type of thing it's like how how tough were you? How hard were you? How prepared were you mentally and emotionally for something like that to happen? Yeah. So when I was looking into Stoicism, um, is so I know Marcus Aurelius was like the emperor of Rome. Yeah, which like makes it two hundred AD or even so. cooler. Yeah. So he was he a Stoic? Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. this book right here that I have in front of me, the one under the green one, uh-huh. it's called Meditations and. Yeah. Uh, that's like the number one book that Ryan Holiday recommends that everyone reads mm. on Stoics. But also like he says like every uh, every like man in his early 20s or late teens should read that book. Mm. And because what it is literally is Marcus Aurelius's journal entries. Oh, that's dope. And so... You like, get to hear his thoughts. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's coming from an emperor mm-hmm. who... At the time, he was like the one of the wealthiest people in the world, mm. and he had everything. He had. Do you know how old he was in this time frame? I or would, how old he was when he died? I don't know how old he was when he died, but I would just guess he was probably in his like thirties, forties. Yeah, because they just they usually died that yeah. pretty young. But he was like the top of the top. I think Alexander the Great died when he was like thirty. Yeah, something. Dude, he was uh, Alexander the Great was like when he was like. In his prime, mm-hmm. he was, like, 16. Yeah. Or, like, 18. <laughs> That's crazy. But, so, Marcus Aurelius, he had everything. Like, he had all the women he wanted, all the drink he wanted, all the drink. food he wanted, so, all the clothing he wanted. Like, in modern straight. times, it was, like, a dude that had a uh, private jet, all yeah. the Supreme, all the Gucci, all the <laughs> women, all the bottles, all the clothes, <laughs> you know? Like, but he still... Like, uh, I don't know if it was like it, that wasn't enough, you know, mm-hmm. but it was like that wasn't it. But it was more so like he was 
I don't know. It's like he kind of found more fulfillment in the journey, I guess, like the struggle, mm. like the. And that also is a very stoic topic, finding beauty because, like, yeah, finding happiness with no possessions, mm-hmm. and also, like, yeah, enjoying the journey. I think mm-hmm. is part of that. Mm-hmm. So, what's like the were uh, Marcus Aurelius and Seneca alive at the same time or no? Um, I'm not sure. It's a very small window, I feel yeah. like. Who came first? I'm not sure. When I was like just like doing some like quick googling or whatever, uh the person who it said was like the founder, like the first stoic, do you know what his name is? Um it's like Zeno oh, something. Zeno but he doesn't have any published writings. His works are taught through his students and other Stoics like Seneca. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how Socrates and Plato were. Oh uh, yeah. Plato Who, learned from Socrates. Mm-hmm. Socrates didn't write anything down, but Plato did. Plato wrote down everything. And then uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Alexander the Great, Alexander the Great's mentor was Plato. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's really interesting about this stuff is like the chain. Mm-hmm. At least in terms of like entrepreneurship in the world. Also following that chain, like uh, when we were talking about um, Bob Proctor's mentor, yeah. Napoleon Hill, yeah, and then Napoleon Hill's mentor, uh, Andrew Carnegie. Andrew Carnegie, yeah, that is goals to find a mentor that yeah. you can jump into that chain with. Mm-hmm. I know, um, but this book on mm. the on the shortness of life by Seneca is another good one, and the basic premise of this book is. That life is long, but we waste most of it, and that's why it's short. Mm. And, like, so it's just, like, there's so many things. I mean, this was written, like, over 2,000 years ago or whatever, and they're still talking about the same things of, like, uh, like this one. The present time is extremely short, so much so that people are unaware of it. <laughs> and then this one is some men are preoccupied even in their leisure. Mm. So it's like even uh even when people are just chilling, you know, relaxing, they're still preoccupied and they're still not actually relaxing. They're talking about uh random stuff that doesn't matter. They're yeah. like uh mentally they're still all, all over the place. And let's see what else here. Yeah, I feel like something, too, about this is, like, at least for me, I'm always, like, looking for, like, new ideas. Or, like, I'm thinking of new ideas. But with a lot of stuff, it's, like, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. There are dudes from thousands of years ago that, like, they weren't they weren't far from off. Like, mm-hmm. you can read it and understand their thinking. And um, I feel like I want to, like, more lean into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really uh like learning every day. Mm-hmm. Like that's a like a new core value I want to have that I've I've kind of been aware of like but more so in the sense of like habit building is what I've been focusing on, but just in general of living your life and learning something every single day. Mhm. Um there's another like idea that I really like about learning and it's like uh, Emerson talks about this 
But I don't know if it's Emerson or Seneca. It might be this book that I'm holding right now. But he, they talk about how if you would observe a sick person, like they would be like a sick person in like a buffet or something. Like they would be walking around and trying little uh, – let me restart. So in our – like in consuming books, a lot of us will jump around to a bunch of different ones. Yeah. And that serves its purpose, but uh, they related it to, like, if you're jumping around from book to book, that's, like, the same thing as, like, someone in a buffet or a restaurant just taking one, like, bite of this, one bite of that, one bite of that. We would look at that person and think that they're, like, uh, ill. Hmm. And because they're never just enjoying. They're just not. (laughs) They're just like all of those flavors wouldn't sit well in the stomach. Like all that stuff would mix, not mix well. You know, versus if they knew what they liked. The the thing is like you just um, get a whole plate full of chocolate pudding. It's more so about <laughs> d- diving into one thing, jump into the chocolate pudding, and so like that idea is like take something that you want to learn about and dive into it uh, fully, mm. and like. Like, because I haven't dove in into st- uh, stoics- stoicism as much as I could. Yeah. The question is if I want to or not. But, like, it's – like, I've gotten so much benefit out of uh, just scratching the surface of stoicism. Yeah. What happens if I would go full in, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of things that we scratch the surface of mm-hmm. and we get value from them, but we never, like, think to go deeper, yeah. you know? Because there's – there's always something new. There's always a new book, but it's like kind of, and like looping back to what you said, it's like these, this is a 2000 book, 2000 year old, like book, the ideas in it. And it's older than the Bible. It's like, these ideas are still relevant today. You know, just cause it's old doesn't mean that it's outdated. Uh-huh. And the ideas are more relevant than ever, you know? Cause mm. like they like, People have to understand, like, when they were talking about, like, vices and distractions, back in this day, what what were they distracted about? Like, yeah. they're, like, in some of these books, they even talk about, like, how you you shouldn't read a lot because it's a, di- a distraction. Oh, you know, like, wow. this was, like, the <laughs> cell phone back then, you yeah. know? That was how they got their information. Uh-huh. And so if they got distracted and got off purpose from just, like, paper and stuff back then we're imagine how overstimulated we, we are, are and how quickly our dopamine we, receptors are fried yeah <laughs> so okay so, uh you mentioned a name in there that i was going to ask you about emerson mm-hmm. so what is the what what timeline was ralph waldo emerson alive and what is he considered like a stoic philosopher as well no or just more of a poet he's a more of a, a poet and a Essay writer. Essay. So he was born in 1803 in Boston. Okay, so he's f- over a thousand years later than yeah, yeah. these other dudes. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, and so... And who are his major, like, I- key uh, influences in his writing? Um, I don't know if... Or does he not really necessarily talk about... I don't know if he has, like, major influences. I mean, I'm sure he does, but... Emerson is another one that I, uh, like, haven't gone deeper on. Because the thing is with these books, like, you 
I've I've probably read only like 10, 20% of this book, but like mm. this is one of my favorite books because it's just like so rich with information that like you read like one paragraph and you, you're like close the book and you're just like thinking about that passage yeah. for like uh, an hour. You know, <laughs> or a week. Yeah, a week. You And it's just like savoring that information rather than gulping it down. Yeah. And like that's just like something that I feel like we need to all remember more. 100%. But uh, one of – I don't know if they were homies or not, but Henry David Thoreau. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's cool about this book, Walden, mm-hmm. is that he – like he dipped off into this cabin for a period of like a long period of time. Think mm-hmm. of like uh, Justin Vernon producing that album in uh, yeah yeah. Like he just like dipped and he just wrote a bunch of stuff down, and that's what that mm. book is. Yeah, there's a local school around here that's like specifically like a school of like the arts type of thing mm-hmm. called Walden. Mm. Probably named after that book. Probably yeah. Um. But yeah, I another. It's interesting that you wanted to talk about this today because like, I, it's very relevant to what I'm going through with seventy five hard. Mm. Because the whole premise of seventy five hard is to, uh, endure the pain, you know. Okay. And like, it's it's about creating like more kind of like uh, uncomfortability in your life. Mm, like seeking discomfort. Yeah, seeking discomfort. Discomfort, And like on the surface, you would have, you would kind of question that mentality. Like why would I want to be uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. But looping it back in with stoicism, you understand that for every uncomfortable thing, you are getting stronger. Yeah. And your growth happens, growth happens. out of your comfort zone. Right. And so it's the whole idea is like, pushing yourself to the max every day, day in and day out, not just like one day going for like a seven mile yeah. run, but like doing uh Cause the max is like the edges of your comfort zone. Yeah. Like by definition, like uh-huh. when you think of like pushing yep. myself to the max, mm-hmm. that's like going, doing five more push ups than I was going to do. Yeah. And it's, it's all relative because your max today is going to be your uh, comfort zone a month from now. This topic specifically would be an A1 grow buff commercial. Yeah. Like about like leaving your comfort zones, pushing mm-hmm. your max because that's what pre-workout mm-hmm. really helps you with. Like yeah. giving you that like boost of pushing past that wall. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like uh, it's all relevant, you know? Mm-hmm. So who would you say – between like Marcus Aurelius and Seneca, if you were to choose one or the other, which would you choose? Uh, and for what specific reason? Like choose for choose how? Just like my favorite. Maybe for like uh, someone who's listening to like if they were to choose one to dive into first, would you point someone towards Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, or even like Emerson? Um. Because when when I first, when we first started talking about it, I honestly didn't even really know who Seneca was. Yeah. Um, I had really only known about like Greek philosophers, mm-hmm. and I'd like you know heard about Marcus Aurelius, but didn't really you know know much about him. Yeah. Um. 
Meditations is good. Yeah. The beginning is pretty slow because he's kind of like the first part of it is just like letters that he's writing to family members. Mm. And so the, <laughs> it's kind of just like, okay, boomer. <laughs> a little bit uh, boring. Uh-huh. But uh, the On the Shortness of Life book by Seneca is uh, really practical and it's pretty easily digestible. Like he kind of just gets right into it. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I would say that. But I really like Epictetus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard um, about him also, but again, not very much. This book, like... I feel like you have to be in the right place in your life to absorb this information. Like, Mm. because when I was reading all of this stoicism stuff, it was like at my lowest point of like, Mm. uh, you know, just got out of a six year relationship. That wasn't really my choice to get out of. Yeah. You know, (laughs) so college, yeah, college. Like I, like I didn't know Gerard. I didn't know you. I didn't know like that. I could, do videography as a career path. Uh-huh. So, like, I was just, like, chilling in Pennsylvania, like... Just, like, not knowing what... Newly single, like, pretty much destined to fail out of college. Mm-hmm. Like, had no direction. You know, the, there was only a few things that I really had going for me yeah. back then. But, like, I did find a lot of, like, peace and assurance diving into this stuff. Because it was, like, the overall message was kind of, like... uh there's a benefit from all this, you know, like mm. this shit that you're going through is going to make you stronger. Yeah. You just don't know it yet, you know? Uh-huh. And if you can have that understanding, you can kind of get through anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, like recognizing the left, the lessons that life gives you in certain circumstances. Like when we were in the last, uh, I don't know, two episodes ago, when we were talking about failure and how you can like learn from those to like improve off of your failures. Otherwise, you keep going through the same trap if you keep doing it the same way. And like um, even through, uh, I was watching like a TikTok of a guy like teaching his kid how to like ride a bike or whatever. Uh-huh. He kept falling or whatever. And he's like, sometimes you're gonna fall in life and get hurt. And just like teaching him like these basic fundamental life lessons off of just like riding his bike. And we all have so many lessons to learn just in our day to day. They're just not so going to be so like grand all the time, but it's about like recognizing the smaller ones and implementing it and mm-hmm. like, learning from those failures and decisions. Yeah. I feel like life is the greatest teacher. Yeah. If you pay attention. And I feel like the problem is this. Most people don't pay attention. Even, even I like in order to like pay attention, you have to be, you have to like remind yourself because there's traps all over the place mm-hmm. that are trying to get your attention. The world is fighting for your attention. Social media. More like, so now than ever. More so now than ever. Like what people want is your attention. But you can control your attention, you know, like you can't, you don't have to let all these other going back to like the fast food people or whatever. They can use tricks, but they don't, they can't force you. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to being conscious. Like That's how, like what being conscious is, I yeah, feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what were you going to read about uh, uh, Epictetus? How do you say his name? Epictetus. Epictetus? Yeah. So the cool thing about this book, um, this book is called the en- Encridion. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Okay. But 
uh, this is kind of another like journal type thing. And so this book is really good because it's broken down, like really digestible. Like you can just like read like one chapter. Well, one chapter is like a paragraph yeah. in this book. I love that about books. Like the war of art mm-hmm. is also like that. So I'm, I'm going to read this section that I, uh, um, highlighted. This is a highlight from probably five years ago. So, and I haven't really read this. Like, I don't really know what I'm getting into, but I just know that I highlighted it. So here we go. We can familiarize ourselves with the will of nature by calling to mind our common experiences. When a friend breaks a glass, we're quick to say, oh, bad luck. It's only reasonable, reasonable then that when a glass of our own breaks, you accept it in the same patient spirit. Moving on to graver things, when somebody's wife or child dies, to a man we all routinely say, well, that's just part of life. But if one of our own family is involved, then right away, it's poor me, poor me. We would do better to remember how we react when a similar loss inflicts others. Hmm. So it's kind of like... I like that topic of common experiences. And like immediately what I think about is like coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Like it, right now in the world, everyone's going through like a similar thing. And thinking of how that's going to impact the future. Like mm-hmm. hopefully connect us more through all of the drama of everything. But also thinking of just like connecting with other people through common experiences. Like us working together in Newark versus like our relationship versus me thinking of someone who just like I went to high school with. Mm-hmm. Two yeah. totally different things. And um, I don't know, I guess it's interesting to think about like um, just like common experiences throughout like life. Yeah. And how it kind of, it can pull us together. Yeah. So there's two more that I want to read here that just stood out to me. So this is a, this is kind of about attachment. When giving your wife or child a kiss, repeat to yourself, I'm kissing a mortal. Then you won't be so distraught if they're taken from you. Wow. (laughs) And so that's kind of like the, that idea of attachment because like, uh, like there's a lot of people are so attached to their significant other Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, if they do something that is not in alignment with how I want them to be, then I'm going to get upset. You know, like Mikhail and I were watching a 90 day fiance the other Mm -hmm. day in quarantine and this one dude, like, he he just picked up his uh, fiance from the airport. She came from the Philippines. And they're coming back uh, from the airport. And she's in the passenger seat. And she starts touching the the windows in the car. Uh-huh. And uh, he was like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, you're going to smudge it up, all this stuff. And she <laughs> keeps doing it. And he says, uh, like, you're messing with my happiness. And I was like, we were both like, huh? <laughs> how, like, how can you do? How can you say that? Yeah. Like, you're messing with my happiness. You know, that's just. Why are you like, gonna attach your happiness? Yeah. To why some, would you attach that easily? Your happiness to the actions of another conscious being, you yeah. know? And like, but so many people, 
do that in their relationships, whether it's like the clothes that that person wears or like how that person political views, religious uh-huh. views, like, you know, or just like controlling, controlling them. Like yeah. Not letting them, you know, go hang out with friends or go do things like that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's crazy to think of how progressive the world has gotten in the last like 50 to a hundred years in terms of like women Mm-hmm. You know, like, it seems like such, like, a basic thing. You know, like, women are equal. Yeah. But that principle hasn't <laughs> hasn't been that basic for, like, yeah. over 100 years. I know. Even, like, a few decades ago, that wasn't, like, that common of a belief, you know? It's, I mean, 50s. it's dope to see how much progress we're making pretty quick through the mm-hmm. decades of just, like, how progressive everybody has been about LGBTQ. I feel like women, though, is a huge one. <laughs> As, mm-hmm. Um, here's another one. Uh, it is not events that disturb people. It is their judgments concerning them. Death, for example, is nothing frightening. Otherwise, it would have frightened Socrates. But... Ooh, <laughs> Ooh bars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but But the judgment that death is frightening, now that is something to be afraid of. So when we are frustrated, angry, or unhappy, never hold anyone except ourselves, that is, our judgments, accountable. An ignorant person is inclined to blame others for his own misfortune. To blame oneself is proof of progress, but the wise man never has to blame another or himself. Oh my gosh. See, these are just like the things where it's like so much density in that paragraph that you have to like ponder it you know you can't Think just about it like you would be doing yourself a disservice by just reading this front like to burn, back burn yeah this is not a book that you just like read to check off your list it's yeah. like i'm glad that i haven't finished it you know what i mean uh-huh. like because it's just like there's so much in here and so much depth to it yeah but i feel like um i also get kind of curious of like how People like Pythagoras, was that his name? Pythagoras. Pythagoras, how he ties in, because uh, he came into my world through the world of math. Yeah. The Py- Pythagorean theorem, and then same with uh, like connecting these topics with like part part of what like initially sparked my like reinterest in all this stuff is just like remembering how important it is like it is for Temple Mill for us to keep incorporating our storytelling like Mm -hmm. the concept of storytelling and like our old one-liner used to be like we uh not we tell stories we tell your story oh we tell your story you know like we really like and that's a specific component to a video that i feel like is attractive to most brands that want to attach themselves to rather than just like fluff content, Mm -hmm. actual storytelling. So I was like, because we used to dive into um, certain storytelling, like Socrates' storytelling method and like Shakespeare's, but also connecting like music with all of this. Like, I feel like the dopest music artist would be like a modern stoicist who's like, it's like writing poetry almost. Like a modern like, well, uh, Waldo Emerson, <laughs> Ralph Waldo Emerson, <laughs> <Yeah>. Wolf. 
<laughs> yeah. But combining this with music and like storytelling and like metaphors and all that. I mean, a lot of people already do this. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you would be really good at it because you're a really good writer in yeah. general, you yeah. know? But, and I feel like writing, um, writing poetry is very similar to writing music, like songwriting. Mm-hmm. It's just about your intention going into it. Are you going to write a poem or are you going to write a song? And if you're writing a song, then you can, based on the music, figure out, you know, how long are these phrases, these sequences of, mm-hmm. uh, that you can structure. And then for, once you know those, like, brackets, parameters, you can start writing it like poetry. Like, I feel like that kind of mindset with you, you could get some really dope stuff. Yeah, yeah. I have a cousin, well, my cousin's husband writes music, and he also writes poetry. Mm. And it make, that makes sense. Like now, cause yeah. like, like his, his lyrics and his songs are way over the head of the average person. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like more bon Iver type stuff where it's like you have, even if you read the lyrics, you still don't really know what's going on uh-huh. unless you like really ponder it and like mm. dissect it. Like, what does he mean by the cherry blossom reflection in the whatever, you yeah. know, like that could be, uh experience in japan you know Uh the reflection of the cherry blossoms like me saying that phrase is like to that to someone else they think of something completely different but to me i'm thinking of walking uh through the rain in uh japan with me you and ken's and i see the reflections of the cherry blossoms Mm -hmm. and it's like a whole story they have to unpack yeah but on the surface you don't get that you know yeah it's like way more artistic than just saying like me, Mike and Ken's were in Japan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> more. In, it's like every word is intentional. Yeah. Also, like there's no just like fluff words in there. It's like e- each word and even attaching music to that makes it more intentional because it's giving it rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know how they sound in congruence to another sentence next to it mm-hmm. and to a paragraph to and then. Yeah. Yeah. But um, are there any, like, major uh, stoic individuals that we haven't talked about that also come to your mind when you think of, like... Because really, I, when I think of stoicism, I really only think of, like, Marcus Aurelius, Seneca... Uh, Epictetus. Know, Epictetus. Yeah. And Ryan Holiday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like those, those are, are the, the main, main ones. Those? Yeah, I don't really know any other ones. Um. Yeah, I think that'll be a dope topic to continually explore, like later in the podcast. Because mm-hmm. this is all like I feel like I'm just like scratching the surface right now, but I really want to like dive in. Yeah, it's really interesting how, uh, st- like revisiting stoicism like we are right now is making me realize how much it is in my DNA now. Mm. Uh, which there's this other quote. That I don't know, I forget who said it. May have been Emerson, but it was, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say it correctly, but it's like, you don't remember all of the meals that you had in your life, but they have made you. And it's the same thing with books. Mm. You don't remember all of the ideas that you read in every single book, but they have made you. I feel like, same with all of like, 
the content you consume, like yeah. music that you yeah. listen to and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And yeah, that's why it's important to be conscious of what you're putting into your mind, yeah. you know? Because yeah, in the moment, it's just like whatever, you know? But then if you do that every day for five years, that's like you now, <laughs> you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> Same and your habits, like the yeah. things that you do. If mm-hmm. you, you know, stop brushing your teeth every day or I don't know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's who you're gonna become. Yeah, the d- <laughs> the dude that doesn't brush his teeth. Uh-huh. That's your identity. And that's Sometimes it it's becomes... easier to like visualize some of these topics not by thinking of like the pros, like manifesting, but thinking of the cons mm-hmm. because you're mi- you're mm-hmm. always manifesting. Law yeah. of attraction doesn't pause. Yeah. And it's either positive or negative. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes both ways. But it's about what way are you taking control of and mm-hmm. deciding to go. Yeah. A very powerful tool is uh like the thinking of the negative and like thinking of the consequences of not doing something. Mm-hmm. Like because uh, then it gets like fear to push you. Yeah, yeah. Because you have like fear and drive. I I don't know if like going the benefits of something and the pro the con like the negatives of something is like they're both driving forces, and so it's best which is to, gonna drive you better. Well, it's about I think it's like more so about uh, using both, you know, mm. and because I feel like fear drives me more than benefits mm. you know and not like in fear. terms of like actual when it gets down to it drive yeah like and i, I don't i don't know if it'd be like fear fear you know like because I'm, I'm like i'm not in a state of fear it's just like the thought of like using uh consequences as something to drive like, yeah like i like to get my ass up to go to instacart Sometimes it's not always like, oh, I'd love to have an extra hundred bucks today. You know, uh-huh. that idea isn't as motivating as like, yo, if you don't do it today, it's going to be harder to do it tomorrow, harder to do it the next day, harder to do it. And then you're going to be negative again. Uh-huh. You know, like that is more motivating to me than it is like, oh, if I get a, an extra hundred bucks today, I can go buy a Big Mac. You know, like uh-huh. that, that doesn't like drive me at all, you know? Yeah. I feel like for, for me, that other side of it isn't just like extra hundred bucks for a Big Mac, but it goes to like this topic that Bob Proctor was talking about of like having a goal worth failing for. Mm-hmm. Like it's so amazing that you're willing to take those risks because of how it may turn out. Yeah. So not just like the small big wins, like yeah, I'm yeah. going to get skis and yeah, all yeah, this yeah, stuff, yeah. but like. The 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 win. Yeah, yeah. And focusing on that, and then just like if I fuck up, it's worth it because that's I know that's what I'm shooting for. Yeah. Um. But for like my day to day energy, like I I feel that like fear sense that can push, and also like anger as another like mm-hmm. driving force. Mm-hmm. Like when a client like fucks us over or like does something, taking that anger from that client using that to that i feel like that's more like zero to one fire to like mm. spark the flame yeah, yeah, i need yeah. some of that yeah but then to keep it going pop a full 180 and be looking straight at that target like yeah. i'm an arrow yeah to... yeah Huge. so i guess two 
different types for different parts mm-hmm. of the process that you're in. Yeah. And you can also like do it on the, the negative sense in the long term as well. Like if you like if you think of like your it's kinda of like the the deathbed principle. It's mm-hmm. kind of what I call it. Yeah, thinking of like you're on your deathbed. Yeah. Or not even like the deathbed moment because like at that moment you probably are not gonna care regardless of what you did. Mm-hmm. You're just gonna be like, Oh, I'm dying. I'm you dying, know? give me some L S D. But like, you know, project it out to pro- like project it out to like thirty five, forty five, fifty five, sixty five. Are you gonna be like happy with the choices that you made now? Yeah. You know? And uh, like those are huge motivating factors to just like like am I gonna be happy that I uh, and not even just the word happy that's a pretty basic level word but uh-huh. like fulfilled with myself am I am I gonna like myself as a as a dude if I just did Instacart for twenty years yeah you know no you know and so that's the <laughs> but like if you don't like ponder those things you can quickly like fall into the just like taking it day by day you know. So and Rick then it's and Morty, just like, boom, you're 40. Rick and Morty, season four, there's an episode. I don't, I don't know if you've seen any of this season before, have you? Uh, it's It just came out on Hulu like a week ago. No. Check it out, it's pretty lit. But So there's an episode, I think it might even be the first one. And there's these like death crystals. And it helps you see your death how you're going to die based on what choice you make in a circumstance Mm. so morty gets one of these death crystals and he wants to see like dying by jessica so he starts like like following this vision of his death but following the best version of his death and avoiding the other death option so using it to guide him you know through life and it builds up to this like crazy character that morty becomes like this like um there's this anime called Akira, A-K-I-R-A, the dude with the red jacket with the pill on it. Hmm. And Akira is a Japanese word for, like, uh, bright, like, light. And it represents God. Is like a, That's kind of, like, what the movie is about. And this one guy named Haneda becomes this, like, he, ha- he becomes aware of, the, of Akira, like, inside of him because it's part of everybody. And then becomes so powerful that he ends up, like, killing himself, essentially, at the mm-hmm. end. But they, um, Morty starts to turn into this type of guy where he's, like, flying, where doing all these crazy things. <laughs> and by the very end of the episode, like, the uh, grand lesson that you learn that Rick says after he, like, gets the crystal out, it's, like, taken over Morty. So he's, like, remove the crystal, whatever, all this stuff. And um, he's, like... Um, maybe you need to live in the moment and in the future. At the like same maybe time? At the same time, yeah. yeah. Maybe you need to do both. It's not just one Simultaneously? Because the, the, the whole storyline is Morty chasing his death, but a specific death that he can see. And um, like that, applying both mm-hmm. through setting goals and then like sprints towards that. That yeah. goal, I feel like. Is yeah. It? I feel like I'm more inclined. I live in the future mostly. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like that's uh, not always good. But uh, yeah. 
I I guess that's why I have the beer now to remember to keep coming back. But well, I feel like by living in the future is where you're gonna snatch the most and the best ideas. Mm-hmm. And you and I both come up with a lot of ideas, yeah. and an idea could just be the future one step ahead of us. Yeah, because I don't really live in the past that much, like. The past is a sad place to live. Yeah, yeah. And that's the downside I've been thinking about with bullet journaling is like having the ability to reflect so specifically. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be a downfall in 10 years? I got 10 journals that I can just one day just like get super drunk, just beat yeah. myself up over reminiscing. Yeah. The- I don't think I would do that. Right. But it's easy for me to flip back in my journal, like especially when I've got it down like so specifically. Mm-hmm. It's like refreshing. And if I do it a little bit, it, like, feels good, like, dopamine rushes. But then I go a little bit too far, and I start to get, like, sad. Yeah. yeah. Not because it's, like, like, usually it's, like, I'll be, like, reflecting on, like, time with my family. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. an experience specifically yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I feel that. Sometimes I think about, like, my Evernote app on my phone uh-huh. and how I have, like, data and thoughts and all these things on from, like, back to 2000. 13 or so mm-hmm. sometimes i think like is that good you know is that bad you know is yeah. that just like reinforcing my like story like more you know mm-hmm. but like i'm more so like what would happen if i just deleted the whole thing and just yeah. like left every thought that i have now like like just be be there you know like stop having to rely on these old things uh-huh. like this lesson from when i was 20 mm. to serve me now like yeah if if it's really a lesson it will be there even when i delete everything you know yeah but i'm not saying i want to because i get them like the most fulfillment from just reviewing that uh-huh and i mean for me like writing it down too isn't about like remembering specific things mm-hmm. it's more about like capturing a present moment and like almost regurgitating ideas that I've gotten like as a way to write it down and like get them out of my head it helps me like let go of certain things yeah yeah I I mean yeah I we've talked about that before also how just like writing things down it's like you no longer have to like sit on the (laughs) idea and just like think about it think about it think about it write it down move on time will tell if it's a good enough idea there's um, another benefit of like journaling, whether it be in Evernote or bullet journaling, mm-hmm. uh, or something that you learn, I guess, is that like you. There's various times in your life that like you, like hit the nail on the head, so to speak. Like, I look back on some of the notes that I wrote to myself when I was like 22, mm-hmm. or like. 19 or something and like i can look at it now as a 27 year old and i'm not saying yo you were an idiot for thinking that you know like stupid 19 year old like Uh i look at it i'm like dude you actually knew what you're talking about like you were starting to figure it out yeah it was just like because like and like that's vice versa i see my old self like in like vlogs i'm like you stupid (laughs) idiot (laughs) it's like uh like you can like, if you look back, like, if I can look back at 27 right right now and look at my 21-year-old self and be like, oh, you weren't as, like, idiotic and uneducated as you thought you were. Yeah. 
I can now flip that and project it in the future mm. and look back at myself now and be like, oh, I actually am not an idiot as much as I think I am now. Yeah. Because back when I was 21, I thought I had no idea what was going on in life. But now 10 years later, you're like, okay, you can gauge. Yeah, you can gauge. And like that probably is going to hold true for decade from now you just don't have the perspective yet to understand mm. it you know oh facts <laughs> dude i feel like you're preaching that's lit but yeah it's just like i mean that's just like a give yourself some credit type of thing yeah i feel like for me it's it like yes at times i'll be like oh Yo, you stupid idiot when i watch old videos of myself doing something it's usually like you know sitting on the edge of a uh, building mm-hmm. like, really i'm like was that worth it yeah no me reflecting i'm like no but also looking back and being able to see growth is like motivating for me or like looking back and seeing like you uh leaving utah to go out to manhattan like yeah I, cutting myself some slack yeah but like i love like it's pretty dope to be able to watch like Old, older videos with, like, a fat version of myself. Yeah. And to be able to, like, see that I, I look different. Mm-hmm. Because, I don't know, I guess just, like, growth is motivating. Like, seeing yeah. change. progress. It's like, okay, I, I overcame that. And if it were to happen again, I have one too many Twinkies, I can get out of it the same as I did last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's I don't confidence. want to. <laughs> yeah, it's building confidence. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's pretty chilly out here. Yeah. We wrap this baby up. These uh, this is a <laughs> these, lit episode. These winter podcasts are gonna be a little shorter. We should get usual. like a space heater. Or yeah, something in that's here. what Michaela said. She said to get a heater out here. Well, if you enjoyed this, follow our Instagram at Convos with Humans. We definitely gotta be pushing that. Yeah, we'll, we'll start posting on there, and because like the cool thing about, and I was thinking Twitter as well. The cool thing about is uh, being able to connect with the audience. They can't comment on this podcast or anything. Mm. But if we were to do like a Q&A, we could put out a post on social media and be like, hey, guys, we're doing a Q&A today. Leave a comment. Or, yeah. we're, hey, we're talking about this. Or be able to – but I feel like that's where we'll be able to like engage. Yeah. And with, we'll, with have a, we'll have a better understanding of like who's actually paying attention to. And we got filming coming soon. Uh, I was thinking like imagine how dope in the future we were in like a tent, like a camping episode. We backlight the the tent with like a fire, and then we shoot it from where we just look like shadows in the tent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like just setting up like a dope like one single shot, mm-hmm. like going in the middle of like a field in the Tetons with like sick. two chairs. Yeah, and it's just like a really wide shot, and then we just record our podcast there. That's what I'm talking That'd about. Be lit. I also am excited for when we can get to the point to have like a bunch of different perspectives in the same room, like. Mm. Because right now it's kind of like the per- perspectives are a little bit different, but they're like probably one or two standard, probably one standard deviation away. Mm-hmm. Like Cal is a little bit different than us or like <laughs> yeah. Adam's a little bit different, but not a lot, you know? Uh-huh. It's not like a 180. And like, I was thinking about that when we th- took the picture of, uh, when Ashley took the picture of me, you and Adam uh, on the couch. It's like, those are lit. Photos. Imagine like if that was a podcast episode of a real life Amish man, <laughs> Real life John Lennon and real life uh, Lil, Lil Peep. Peep. Like the conversation that would come out of that, I see it as like painting. Like you take like uh, John Lennon that represents green, 
uh, Lil Peep that represents red and an Amish man that represents blue. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, like mixing it up, you know? <laughs> like, those are things that you would never, like, uh, I mean, like, it was just like, or cooking, you know? Like, let's take uh, oregano, uh, some garlic, and oh, 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 some uh, chocolate, you know? <laughs> something that's just like crazy, you yeah. know? And like, seeing what happens, you know? Like, because something's gonna come out of that that is uh, different than all three of them individually, you mm. know? And like, contrast. Yeah, and just, like, being able to, like, like imagine, like, having a conversation or the, not, like, like us uh, leading a conversation between John Lennon, Lil Peep, and Amish, yeah. Amish dude on what is the meaning of life, you know? And uh-huh. they're all going back and forth on, yeah. like, what, it, like, from the perspective of John Lennon, what is the meaning of life? Cause that I, should be a goal of this podcast is to just facilitate the dopest conversations with humans with humans i mean yeah it's in the name what we're doing but yeah that's what i'm excited for it's just like when it can be like uh bigger than us and it can be about the conversations yeah primarily and like asking questions also yeah the big one because we're both just like extremely curious people yeah just like being able to like it's like well here's the thing too if you're consuming content you're gonna also regurgitate it and if you're conscious of what you consume, you're going to regurgitate dope shit. Mm-hmm. And so if we just keep on learning every day, listening to podcasts, reading books, doing like our thing, we're always going to have stuff to talk about mm-hmm. and things to share yeah. based on that yeah. unique moment. Yeah. It'll be different than in one year, Yeah. but that's what's dope about it. Yeah. It's like evolving. But it's going to be cool when we are at the point where we can ask specific things, you know, because mm. like sometimes I'm listening to a Joe Rogan, he's talking to... Uh, Graham Hancock or something. And I'm I'm just like or like the Kanye West episode. I'm like, please, like just like Joe, please talk about this. Like I'm like hoping he goes in that direction or yeah. something. But like it you it's a hit or miss depending on how Joe's feeling that day. But if like we could be like there saying like, Yo, Kanye, what was your inspiration for eight oh eights and heartbreaks? Yes. You know? Like that is like something that we're curious about and we can ask him specifically and then like millions of people can hear the response, you know? And I feel like the more educated we become on specific topics, the better questions we'll be able to ask. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say we're, like, interviewing, like, a pilot, and we know nothing about it. We're just like, how fast does your plane go? He's like, you can Google... Where do you go to the bathroom? (laughs) He's like, you can Google that and figure that out. Yeah. But if we already know, you know, more than just the surface, and we can ask him, you know, like... Uh, when you were in ninth grade and this happened to you, wh- how did that lead to this? Yeah. And get like ask specific questions that haven't been asked yet. Right. That's yeah. where we're going to get some. Or just lit. like a pilot's perspective on something. You know? Uh-huh. Like, but if we just keep learning, the more that we learn, the better. Because yeah. I've noticed that about like watching or uh, listening to Joe Rogan. As he gets people on multiple times, like Dennis McKenna or like um, Graham Hancock. The following episodes, he already knows more. All the basic stuff. And so they're deeper questions. Mm-hmm. Deeper yeah. questions. That's good. Yeah. And that's also, that's the dope thing of like reoccurring guests. Because mm-hmm. I was also like writing down uh, in that same notion, a bunch of types of guests that we can get. And there's like local friends and whatever, they can just like come through. And then there's also like uh, digital friends, you know, like the digital Jeffs mm-hmm. and the Brian Ragones or whatever. Saucedo. The Saucedo, yeah. like all that stuff. 
Um, and then I feel like a third one is going to be just like, uh, like outreaching to people that don't know us. That'll be the third category. But just from the two categories, I was like, there's like 30 people here Yeah. that if we were just to go into those people and just repeat them and get a bunch, we get some amazing content and that's within our network already. Mm -hmm. So more collabs coming soon. We got to figure out the zoom thing, like to get the audio right. Cause I feel bad. I know. But because the best type is like this this like yeah. if you're here with us physically like there's a lot of people that i like i want to like wait on yeah so that it's not like but as in that's kind of a bad mentality to have about it it's all right we bring in some lit content yeah well catch y'all on the flip thanks Go for listening some merch get some merch if you bout it templemill.co backslash shop catch and flip Catch on the flip. Mm-hmm.